Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast Imola review. I'm here as usual with Freddie and Nigel to dissect a classic blockbuster incident-packed Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. It had a bit of everything, I think anyway, we'll find out the views of <laughs> Freddie and Nigel. Hopefully the, this is the last podcast I do ever in my life with this godforsaken haircut. But before we get on to that, someone, two people who've had haircuts now on the pod, on the odd one out. Oh, it's Freddie. Had a I've had yes, a hair. I didn't notice hair either. I've had a hair tidy up. I didn't notice either, Nigel. But how are you both? Uh, yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, it was a really good race. Uh, well, yeah, I'm all right. Now, genuinely, it, Freddie, it doesn't, it doesn't look like you've had a haircut. It looks like you've cut off about two centimetres. That's a haircut. <laughs> um, but genuinely, it was a fantastic race. It was really, really good. And it's been it's building up all weekend. The way you had so many mistakes across practice that was just kind of frenetic and exciting. And then qualifying became quite a, a mad dash that I didn't expect at all. And now it's um, we've, we've topped it off with a race that none of us could have predicted and didn't. So... Fair play to Formula One for just being crazy today. Um, going back to the haircut, because Adam was laughing about it, but um, it's a tidy up. I now look better, even though I look the same. I think I, w- I was more laughing at Nigel answering the question, how are you with, um, yeah, which probably happens more, <laughs> but I just don't notice it. Um, yeah, so to, <laughs> to repeat that, you yeah. say we didn't, you say no one predicted it, some of us got pretty close on our predictions, but we can maybe go into that later if we can figure out what they were. Yeah, yeah. maybe we need to, maybe we need to start with our predictions, getting a bit more um, creative on how they end up as said predictions. Like if we say, "Oh, Verstappen wins," we have to say, <laughs> and he leads every lap or something. Or like Norris gets on the podium, but he qualifies third, but has his lap deleted because of track limits, and then has to race through, and then it's team ordered by his teammate and all of that. Maybe we should start saying that for the Portuguese Grand Prix. I, th- I think we should probably look at. <clears throat> Let me get more once points. We're at the stage when once we're at the stage where we're getting three out of three every week, <laughs> then we can probably go up. But <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> until then, I think I, off the top of my head, I think I had Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez, but I did have Norris to finish third in Bahrain. So if you combine <laughs> the two, then what? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I had Norris to finish third next week So for the next race. So, yeah, I'm going to take that. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but let's start with Verstappen because he won. Spoilers. It was a... He led every lap, as Freddie said. It was a really, really strong performance, I think, from him. But how, how strong a performance do you think it was over the weekend? Uh... Uh, I don't think it was as good as Bahrain, but I think his Sunday was probably probably better than Bahrain, I'd say. Uh, his start was absolutely incredible. I think he... Did he start in second gear, I think? I think he did. Yeah, he uh, did. And, yeah, he was super aggressive on Hamilton. Hamilton knew that that was going to be a vital part of the race, and so did Verstappen, and Verstappen came out on top. Uh, to get investigated, didn't it? Or got noted. Well, I thought it was absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with it. And no. from there, Verstappen was pretty flawless. He dropped it on the 
second safety car restart. But other than that, he was in a, a in a league of his own, and I think it makes up for Bahrain, which he should have won. Obviously, Halton should have won this race, but instead, Stafford has. And I think, I think, yeah, I think weirdly, the two races that have happened so far, the winner probably shouldn't have won it, kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was a fantastic drive. And it, it, and I thought as well, especially on Friday when he had the drive shaft issue, that he might be in a little bit of trouble, got, got out qualified as well. But it's what counts on Sunday, isn't it? And he, he definitely made the most of it with that brilliant start. Yeah, no one had a flawless weekend. And we can't say that about Max, definitely not. But um, he, he was near to it. I mean, yeah, his qualifying was um, qualifying in third was actually kind of was when you look at it not good really considering he did that basically from a scruffy start to the lap um and it was his own mistake that put him there but the way he recovered from that a second gear start is ballsy um and he pulled it off and like Nigel says I completely agree that um his 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 ferocious start was excellent and it's exactly what he needed to do and he got one over on Hamilton recovered from the fact that he'd been out qualified by Perez straight away and um, for the most part didn't look back I mean I think there are a few things that could like everything you're going to say for me at least say about his race is pernickety things is like nitpicks on like maybe he could have done his first safety car restart a little bit closer to the line because he opened Hamilton up to a good slipstream Um, but he learned from that later on for for the rolling restart after the red flag um, and may, and obviously we're going to say oh he probably warmed his tyres a bit aggressively at that restart but he got he caught it and carried on and was lucky that, he was really warming them up yeah he was just really warming them up he was lucky that Leclerc didn't see didn't probably rightfully go past him and take the lead at that point because I really thought Leclerc probably could have done that legally and got away with it but um, I think I might we might touch on that later. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think Verstappen really deserved to win. I know you said there, Nigel, that the driver who won didn't deserve to win necessarily, or wasn't no, not didn't deserve. But you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I think Verstappen didn't steal this race from anyone. I think this was his race. Whereas Hamilton, you could argue, stole Bahrain a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a interesting one with Verstappen because he. He kind of had half a race and then basically from from the red flag onwards, he was kind of free. Hamilton was out and he was free to kind of poople off into the distance. But he earned that right because he was so strong on the first stint or the first half of the race. And he put pressure on Hamilton. And I think Red Bull got the pit stop from intermediates to dry spots on. And then Mercedes... I, I, I think they got the lap wrong as well as obviously messing up the pit stop. Oh, really? I think, yeah. I think, I, I, think, just... I think if the pit stop had been three seconds rather than four, which is still a slow pit stop, Hamilton, I think, I think would have been in the lead there. I, um, I think oh. it was the crossover was about halfway around the lap for when Lewis was out and when Verstappen was coming over. And I think Verstappen got caught behind one bit of traffic, which makes me kind of think maybe Mercedes... And I mean, yeah, I think it was probably lucky that Mercedes were that lap, but they, they, I think that would have been the perfect lap to stop when Hamilton stopped, personally. I but were, I mean, it's again, it's 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 finite margins. I think it was about a, off the top of my head. I think it was about a two and a half second gap when 
um, planning for Stappen, overtook Hamilton coming out the pits, and then immediately that gap ballooned out to a few more seconds as Hamilton kind of warmed up. And yeah, the pit stop was about two seconds longer, so it would have been very close. But I, I think Red Bull nailed that, and that and, and Max's driving was just able to put Hamilton under pressure, and he he got held up lapping the drivers that Hamilton ended up spinning out behind and Verstappen took that a bit more cautiously, which is a very mature thing to do, I think. Maybe it was because he had that buffer, but he took it a bit more cautiously overtaking those. And then Hamilton needed to make up time. He tried to, you know, just go in a bit too aggressively on, I think, Russell. And that was what led to him spinning out on the, uh, or, yeah, getting tipped into the gravel going on I, the I wet think, part of the track. I think Red Bull in that situation with a pit stop, they were kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because Hamilton yeah. would have just done the opposite. And I think had the Mercedes, had it been a two-second stop, I think it would have been neck and neck. I think, I think Verstappen on warmer tyres mm. would have had a pretty good chance of mugging Hamilton, even if Hamilton was, say, side-by-side side or alongside or, or whatever. So I, I think Red Bull probably got it right and and you know that was a seriously tense moment of the race. And I did about these mm. hours pretty like wow, this is this this, this is the moment. Uh, and yeah, it was fantastic. And, and those are the kind of things that we missed out on last year quite a lot. I feel, but already in the two races we've had this year, strategy pit stops have played their part. I think it's really made the races a lot more exciting at, at the front of the race. Hasn't you? You were really. You were really oh, right about him earning the race it, um, from that first thing because the way they then went round and the, 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 the way Hamilton closed up just before the pit stops was because Verstappen had given himself that buffer of traffic, like you said, and he'd, he had gone balls to the wall on the first two laps of um, racing after the safety car um, from the start. And he had built a three-second gap to Hamilton after that first lap and built that by a second or and a half the next lap and then just stayed there and and match the time going on and use that time to get through traffic and put the pressure on Hamilton to get through traffic, like you said. And it was fantastic that he did that. He had the control, obviously, of being in first and um, having rattled with the, the pace he had shown early on, he had pace to spare, even if Hamilton was closing. So even if Verstappen ended up behind, it wouldn't have been over there, I don't think. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd give him my driver of the day in our semi-regular slash... I don't know. We don't do it every race. or no. But, you know, I think he'd get that for me. Um, on to oh, Hamilton then. Well, we'll find out what Nigel thinks later. <laughs> Moving on to Hamilton. Was, was Do you think it's... I'm, I'm quite interested to hear your thoughts on this. Do you think it was a good or bad race for Lewis? Hmm. Or more good or more bad? More I think that's the thing. It was... It was both, wasn't it? Um, I think, Nigel, you would probably say something similar. You just said more good than bad because it's one mistake, but the mistake causes it to be worse. Like, whatever it is, 62 laps were great and one lap wasn't, but it's that one lap that was really bad. Well, you could say that, that for Nikita Mazepin every race, but it doesn't make oh, a difference. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't I mean think, it like that. I mean it yeah, like know, he was really good on those laps. Yeah, so you're just being a twat. <laughs> uh, I think, personally, I do think he was lucky. I, I think 
first yeah. of all, his qualifying lap was stunning. I think it was one of the best pole position laps, probably in the turbo hybrid era from Hamilton because uh, his gap spot was quite large. About four tenths split first to eighth, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think that kind of went under the. It was kind of an underrated lap, perhaps. Uh, and it was brilliant that he got pole position. Lost it at the start. Couldn't do much. But though he was coming out of the staff, I think he had. I think he had more pace. And for me, I think he was fortunate that the error he made didn't uh, didn't affect him more in terms of points because with the red flag, obviously he got his lap back with a safety car. And I don't know. I just feel I, I do feel he was fortunate in a way to be in that position. I feel. Yeah, you're right. It was that it was for because of the the red flag that he was able to get unlapped and rebuild the car um, carefully, and also the safety car enabled him to drop to what ninth or eighth, not to fifteenth or whatever when he was trawling around with half a front wing. So he was lucky in that regard, um, but it took it it ruined his chance of the win, frankly, and that's. That's that's what he's got to look at, really. I and think he... his comeback drive was phenomenal, but I think he was lucky. I'll say that. I think he was really good, yeah. but lucky. Mm, I think that's that's it for me. I think I've started writing my winners and losers piece, and I put him as a loser because I think it was a track that Mercedes looked the stronger on. I think Nigel alluded to earlier, and to not come away with a win from that is, you know, for. I imagine for him it will be disappointing, but like you say, it's it, it the recovery drive was phenomenal, and there's not many drivers I think on the grid that could have done that and done that to that extent. But the flip side is he did that from a position that he'd kind of put himself in by making the mistake and benefited from the look, as you said. Nigel's raised his finger twice now at me, so I'll let him speak. It's a question: <laughs> Why did Paul Verstappen as a, as a winner in Bahrain then? Isn't this the same thing with Hamilton? Uh, I think I put Red Bull as a winner in Bahrain. Okay. Well, if you look about it, Red Bull's position <laughs> now, yeah, there. I think I think it was Red Bull. I put Red Bull as a winner in Bahrain because yeah, yeah. it was confirming the hype. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of more to do with that, but yeah. Yeah, you know, for me, it's a similar thing, except I think Hamilton got away with not scoring single-digit points due to the. Due, due to the safety car red flag, because really he shouldn't have been hiding seventh or eighth, I think, if it was because he was lapped. So he got lucky with that. But like I said, his, his comeback drive was quite incredible because it is such a difficult track to overtake on. And to, to be able to follow the cars within a second, yes, his car might be slightly faster. But, you know, compared to other drivers, his ability to follow and then get the moves done uh, by staying within six or seven temps coming off the final corner. Uh, yeah, it's just clinical, really. Uh, so, yeah, I think we have, he has to get high praise on that. Just one yeah, of those rare yeah. errors. And, and if this is his worst race, if this is his one bad race of the season, which he which he tends to have, then, yes, it was lucky, but he can't really ask, mm. ask too more, I don't think. Yeah, it was really impressive that even, even that he got lucky to be able to be eighth at the restart. Um, with Kimi Räikkönen spinning straight out after the red flag under the safety car and all of that, giving him a position, and then um, having to only really fight Joel Ricardo Science 
Leclerc and Norris, um, which are all you know significantly slower cars. Um, the fact that he still was able to close on them in such a, a rate, obviously we saw the pace of the Ferraris and the McLarens, and well, particularly Norris throughout this weekend. They've been actually stunningly quick, particularly through um, bits of the track where you can't follow so easily. So um, the fact that Hamilton was able to just go to another level in its closure, re- in his recovery and closure on those cars was really good. But yeah, it all comes back to he was only able to do that because yeah. of a massive crash um, that brought out a safety car and a red flag um, and only had to do that because he was too eager in lapping George Russell. Uh, George Russell didn't do anything wrong in the lapping. There was a few allude, there was a few nods to that. And it was just, he got out of the way at the first opportunity and slowed down. Hamilton had to just go up the inside and went a bit too keen, really, frankly. He knew he mm. was offline on new slicks. So you would, you would, you would take that cautiously, but, yeah. yeah. My last point is, oh God, I, I was going to say, I think Hamilton has had quite a bit of fortune this season, or well, in the two races so far, with the track limits effectively getting away with that. I know, I know, he was allowed, but then he wasn't allowed, kind of thing. But now this, so I think the fortune has gone his way so far. I'd say. I think it, it, it's kind of fifty-fifty with me. I think he's he's had these. He, he has had breaks, but on the flip side, he's then exploited those breaks to the maximum. You know, he got 19 points here, which was when he was down in ninth or eighth, then that was the most he could he could have got from it. And in Bahrain, you know, he still had to complete the rest of his laps and keep Hamil- uh, Verstappen behind him. And to be honest, I think if you're a driver in such a close fight and you see you know, an, an area in terms of track limits where you can gain time. Oh, that's allowed. You should do that. <laughs> but, but, you know, to, to come out of this leading the championship on 44 points aptly is phenomenal, really. And I, I think it's that. I think he he's had breaks, but how many drivers get those breaks and then don't take them with both hands? Or you look at where Bottas started and, you know, his, his race did nothing before his crash, which we'll get onto very shortly. So... Yeah, I, it, it, it's these moments that, you know, just do make you realise how good a driver he is, that when he's not starting on pole and disappearing off into the lead by half a second every lap, then he he shows his class even more, I think. Yeah. And, and he's when, still getting pole. And yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> he did not when, deserve when, that pole in that car. That pole yeah. was fantastic. When he went off, I, I just thought, yeah, I I thought I oh, will finish second, but I wouldn't think for probably any apart from maybe Verstappen. Really? I wouldn't think for any other driver. Yeah, I I, I still wow. I did not think that. Second. Um, I thought he was going to DNF. <laughs> so did I the mean, graphics yeah. people. Yeah, to... It said out on the timing tower. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To be fair, once he once he got back onto track, <laughs> I, did, I did have flashbacks. Uh, but um... once he got back on track and you saw the wing hanging off. And that he was in seventh. Uh, he was already in seventh when he came back mm. on track. If he had got back on track in like four seconds, maybe, and the wing wasn't that bad, but because he was on track so far down with the wing hanging off on slick tyres going slowly around, cold slick tyres and what's still damp parts of the track, right? he could have so easily spun it again in that situation. He could have, it, particularly if he was rushing to go back to the pits. I mean, it was probably, what, 10 seconds until he was under... Um, 
safety safety car deltas um, with that. So, like, he could have, if he was pushing, could have dropped that and had a bigger crash, frankly. And he did a really, really good job to drive that car. I mean, they all do fantastic jobs to drive damaged cars. But, yeah, he did. That was good. Mm. Two drivers that weren't able to drive off the damage to their cars, though, was Valtteri Bottas and George Russell. <laughs> it was a big, yes. big collision kind of going down the start-finish straight on Tamburello. And, I mean, firstly, glad that both of them were able to get out okay but that wasn't the big story coming from it because George Russell took a great dislike to Valtteri Bottas's antics if you could call it that I don't know whether I would but his behavior leading up to the crash and he called it dangerous driving and seemed to imply that Bottas was targeting him somewhat yeah so yeah what were your what were both of your thoughts on the crash and Nigel I've already had a tete-a-tete where I think it's predominantly racing incident and he thinks there's a predominant blame I think so I think, I think it's Russell's fault personally I mean I, okay. I think I think he's just misjudged it kind of like Howardson misjudged it I think obviously you go at a super high speed and I just think he's made a tiny error with huge consequences I think because I think Bottas has left him enough or more than enough space yes I think Russell has just caught the line and unfortunately hit him. So I think for me, it's 100% on Russell. See, I don't think it goes 100% on Russell based on the nature of the track at that point. But I think, yeah, it's Russell's mistake that's put him into Bottas. I don't think there was a, you know any jolts or sharp movements from Bottas because if you look at where Bottas is, he's not making jolts or sharp movements. He's following the, the natural dry line of the track and when he gets to that point, Russell is more than a car length, is, is not alongside him for the most part. So for me, with that, I agree with you, Nigel, it's predominantly on Russell. Um, but he's leaving appropriate room at 300 kilometres an hour to the left of him to where Bottas is to kind of like judge where Bottas is because he can't see him at that point. So he's got to kind of judge that. But by looking to the left, he's just dipped it onto the right ever so slightly onto the grass. And that's flung him round and I think that's racing instanty to be honest to me if yeah. I was a student I'd be given a 10 grid players penalty really? really? yeah I, I think, think I think proper racing incident to me I think that would be quite harsh I, I think it's a racing incident that's Russell's fault he's not in that he's not tried to be aggressive towards Bottas and, or anything like that. It's you know it is his fault because he loses control, and then hits Bottas. But I don't think he does that because of any kind of bad or um, premeditated plan to try and squeeze Bottas. Or and it reminds me a bit. Yeah, it it reminds me a bit of in without wanting to stir up another past controversy. The 2019 Canada. Um, kind of if if, Vest, if Hamilton had carried on around the side and not kind of backed off and Vettel had hit him and it kind of I thought of it like that that if Vettel had gone into the into the side of Hamilton because he lost control and then came back onto the track then it would have been the same apportioning of blame but equally you wouldn't you know you wouldn't say it was Vettel it was a nasty move from Vettel 
which oh, makes that's a hard one. Good. It's a hard one to compare to based on the natures of the moves being at 20 kilometers an hour and at 250, 300 kilometers an hour. But um, I know what you mean on the sentiment of it's it's unintentional, but it's happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and yeah. That we can't be a... Oh, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. I, mean, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, like the Vettel thing is obviously one of those really weird ones. Um, but this is like, you can clearly see what's happened. You can clearly see that you can hear the the sharp uptake in wheel spin mm. from a tap of the, the driving tyre on the cold, wet grass. Um, only just as well. For the most part, he's still on the track. But like that's the risk you take doing an overtake in that part of the track. It's a narrow track. We know this. We know it's hard to overtake. And the reason it's hard to overtake is because it's hard to get a car alongside. So if you're going to have a car alongside, then you're going to be putting yourself at risk of tapping the grass, aren't you? So he's done that. He's put, And yeah, he's going really fast. And yeah, he would be a worse racing driver he lifted. But that's how it is, isn't it? I think. I don't know. I don't know any other way to look at it than that's how it is. Mm. I mean, if, if it's clearly someone's fault, which I do think it is in Russell's case, I think you have to get a penalty. I don't see how you can call it a racing incident if it's clearly why someone's is, fault. Why is, any why is it always having to be a blame? It's, I, it's, I think it's, it's not. It's not like he's um like he's. It's not like he's um done something stupid uh, in his driving. He's driven basically fine. He's controlling a car. You can see him twitching it at three hundred kilometers an hour, and like it's just a slight tap onto the grass, which is what it is. I think you've got to you've got to have it's some thought for the intention, because I, I I think there is zero chance that Russell was trying to play hardball or you know intending to put either of them in a position where they might crash. It's just he's lost control. He's made a small error yeah. going a bit too far to the right, and then he's lost control. To be yeah, fair, I, I know what you're saying. Crash. <laughs> I know what? what you're saying. Yeah, and it kind of. It does make a lot of sense that, yeah, this has happened because of an action from George Russell. And if we take it back to the to the to the Canada thing, say this has happened because of a mistake from Vettel and all of that, and like you didn't want the mistake and you put yourself at the risk by driving to do the mistake. And you'd say, say, look at Lando Norris in qualifying; he deserved to have that time deleted because, yes, he did disobey the rules when he went wide at Piratella. So I kind of, yeah, it does make sense thinking about it logically that if you're going to have something where there's a mistake causing something then it's an, a natural penalty. If you look at it from that kind of perspective, it's just, I can't help it's really you. hard to kind of determine then. You kind of need to think, so should everything, if there's a little mistake that impacts another person, is that determined at always a massive penalty? I have to be careful with what I say here, but I can't help but feel that because it's Russell, people aren't saying, oh, that was stupid, that was, that was silly. And I feel because it is Russell, people are just kind of letting him get away with it. But for me, it's I a think, I think that's because he's got a lot of credit built up in the bank. I think they're yeah, not... Of course, of course. But still made a mistake. Yeah, but it's... It, again, it's I, think it was an, it, I think it was an innocent mistake and it was a mistake that was kind of to do with his own car rather than the way he was racing Bottas, I think. I'm, com so, I'm coming down to your perspective a bit more, Nigel, now, because I'm kind of thinking of a, there's no logical way to defend a mistake, if you make and a mistake, to allow other things to be defended, so you should be penalised. That is that, that's that, that's my take for I mean, every. It's, it's, if there's a clear, yeah, if there's a clear mistake, his penalty was slamming into the wall. 
<laughs> ending the that's race. Also, that's also a good point. His penalty was a crash for himself. That is a very good point. What do you what do you see on that, Nigel? Like he didn't gain an still advantage. Grid. Still ten grid because it's his fault. So you give two penalties to people for stuff like that. Well, why two? No, penalties? no, no. Then what the if penalty, he gets to carry on? If he carries penalties. on the race, does then does he get a penalty on, in the race and then afterwards? Instead, you get a drive through or whatever. If he, if he, it, or, it's it's one penalty because the penalty of him crashing isn't taken into account because another car has crashed. If that makes sense, I'm he's being penalised. The... He's being penalised for the other car crashing, not for himself crashing into it. I'm saying that that himself crashing is the penalty enough penalty needed because he he makes a mistake and he pays for it by slamming into the wall and ending his race and ending a good chance at points, which I think he would have had. Well, what... Yeah, I, probably would I, have had points. I can't but... agree with that because otherwise, you, you know, like Michael Schumacher in 2012 in Spain, uh, he got a five-game place penalty for Monaco for hitting Bruno Senna, and that was right because he made a mistake and like mm-hmm. he, he wasn't didn't get to start in pole position in Monaco. So I don't. You have to take some kind of proper penalty as well as you know retiring. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, again, it comes down to the difference between, you know, a kind of intentional, aggressive driving and one that was just mm, some mistake. And I think in this situation, and in a lot of situations like this, Russell's penalty is that his race is over. I think if he's... How many incidents have been in the past where a driver's intentionally tried to do something? Mm. I, very... I don't mean that. I mean, trying to squeeze someone or, you know, push them out to the... Outside or you then know, he's intentionally whatever. gone for the overtake. Then does that not come into it? Like, no. If he's, he's intentionally gone for the overtake, he's intentionally putting his car alongside another car on a wet track. Does that is that not the equivalent he's, of he's a defensive in, t- take on it? He's not crashed into Bottas directly because of what he's done. He's crashed because yes, he's, he has. No, you don't kind of understand what I'm saying. Like, he's not crashed into Bottas because he's steered into Bottas. He's crashed because he's made a mistake in terms of his car positioning independently, lost control, and then hit Bottas as a result of that. So he's but crashed if he because steers he's in, taken... Say he did steer into Bottas. Say it was on turning and he steered into Bottas there. Would that be also a mistake in car positioning? Is that Sorry, just in a different... So say... say... that. So, you, like you say, he didn't steer into Bottas, and that would yeah. be a penalty. But like, if he did steer into Bottas, and it was an unintentional steer into it, it was just a mistake in car positioning. Is that then not? Is that the same as this? Because it was just a mistake in car positioning, him steering in. This is like the equivalent of that, surely. Anyway, because it's still we a mistake in car positioning. If it happens, but I just, I think ultimately he's been penalised by his race being over. I don't think you need it's to full, add on to that football. because of a mistake. You know, a mistake that he made. In, in football, if you make a, a tackle or something, you, you might get a yellow card, but you'll also give away a free kick or a, and a penalty. So it's like a double whammy there as well. Isn't this the same thing? No. Why? Well, because for starters, F1 is totally different to football in pretty much every way, shape or form. It's a hard comparison to make, but I'm, no, I like, think... In, in football, we're going to get nowhere with, guys, we're gonna get nowhere with this. But... Um, I mean, like, yeah, obviously we both, we all know our, our perspectives. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of, like, Nigel's clearly thought of something that he's going to say now that will potentially, he thinks he'll win him this debate. Go, Nigel. It's just a yes I'm or moving no on to Ferrari. Right? No, sorry. 
Is it, yeah. Do you think it's Russell's fault, yes or no? Yes. So why isn't it a penalty then? We, we've literally spent the last 10 okay. minutes. That's okay. why Freddie right. said right. to move Fair on. Yeah. It's one of those ones where like, they're, they're th- there's blame on both sides. The predominant blame is on one side, yes. And it un- it's understandable if there's a penalty on that side, but it's also understandable if it's a racing instance because of both the things you've both said. And that's the, that's the nature of subjective stewardship in Formula One. And that's an issue we should discuss in the future dates because it is a bad issue. But that's the position we're in. That's the position we can have this debate and we can have this debate. And a racing incident is the correct outcome. But it's like a grid penalty could also be the correct outcome. We're in a position with Formula One where you could have lots of correct and incorrect outcomes that are all different and the same. And that's ridiculous. But... Like, we're not going to solve it here. And let's move on to Ferrari, like Adam said, because they did have a good weekend. They had a quietly good weekend. I kind of didn't... I think it was all about Norris and Hamilton coming up through the field at the end. And it was like, oh, Ferrari actually had a really good race and scored 22 points. And it's kind of refreshing to see them on the front foot and... Leclerc especially and Sainz as well are drivers that should be kind of battling around the around the top five and Leclerc should be battling on the podium and I think it's great to see them up there but the question I want to ask is where how do you kind of assess Sainz's start because he's a bit off Leclerc so far I think is that to be expected or do you think it's been the start that would have been expected or below expectations or for me, oh, I... I've been surprised how close he has been to Sainz. Um, like, I think he's just bottled it when it comes to it in qualifying, but every other point, he's as good as Leclerc. Um, like Bahrain, say Q1 and Q2, he's as good as Leclerc, but Q3, he made a mistake in his run. Um, this weekend, Q2, he makes a mistake in his run, but other than that, he's matched Leclerc with pace straight out the bat all weekend. And in the race, it's similar things. He made a few mistakes off the bat, but later on, he was a little bit off Leclerc, but other than that, up to the flag, they're pretty much matching, maybe two seconds off, and that's really good. So I think there's teething troubles to get on top of, but I think in a few races' time, he'll be on very good par with Leclerc. I think he's been excellent, quite frankly. Mm. I think he's been the best driver who's who's changed teams over the winter. I think he's been the best out of the whole lot, personally. Um, yeah, I can I I think agree he, I, think he was look, I think he was lucky today in Imbler because he made quite a few errors across the gravel trap. But I think it's yeah. similar to Hamilton in that boat would have saved the car red flag situation, kind of helped him he, a bit. He was, also he was saved. Gasly yeah. was caught in a huge trade earlier. Stubbornness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think for me, Sainz has been the best driver in a new team. And he's up against Leclerc, who, you know, for me, mm. like top three, top four driver. And I think he's definitely been close enough. In the Bahrain race, looking back, you know, he, he was only eight seconds behind Leclerc, having had a lot more traffic in the race, because whereas Leclerc was only behind Norris throughout it, so I had to overcome positions. And I think in Imola, you know, uh, he was kind of right there again. I think I don't think he's that far off, and I think he's doing a great job, personally. Looking at his race today, he made a couple of mistakes, but he got it, and he, he had the, the capacity to make those mistakes, yes, because of where other cars were further down the midfield. But he was in the position to be ahead of them from a demon start coming from where he was 11th up to sort of 7th. 
at the start. Like how he weaved his way up to there, I don't know. Um, but he did and got up there somehow and carried on with that. And then the pace he was able to catch Ricardo on was fantastic. And then he was able to stick with Norris and Leclerc in the dry second stint of the race. And I thought, fantastic job. Because, like, yeah, you've recovered your race and you've you've earned the recovery drive like that, if that makes sense. He's recovered and he's done well once he's recovered. Mm, I think, I think like you said previously, no one's, no one had a flawless weekend. Mm. And Leclerc made two. He spanned twice at Aqua Minerale, once on the formation lap and once kind of a few laps in. Um, or maybe even on the first lap before he went off. No, I don't think he spun on the first lap. No, it lap. might not have think... been spins, but it might, it was, he had. I lots. think he, Okay, yeah, because his first he, he definitely did on the formation lap. I can't, yeah, he might have had a few offs later on, but his first lap was fantastic. The way he was able to get past Perez after he made a slight mistake, his traction he got there was unbelievable. And then to, to hold it in the podium positions all the way to like lap 50, lap 52 or three or whatever it was when Hamilton overtook him, um, was really good. I was really impressed with the fact that if you think about it, Leclerc was on the podium for like five-sixths of that race, basically. The two-thirds, whatever, I can't really figure it out. Five-sixths of the race, not two-thirds. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. Um, so for the most part, Leclerc was top three material of this race, and he, I think he deserved a podium today, and he didn't get one. The man who was on the podium for the sixth, sixth of the race was Lando <laughs> Norris, who we've not talked about yet because we got so distracted with penalties, but what a fantastic result for Norris. And I think for me... Coming into the season, and you know, there's still a long way to go, but I, I was worried for him because I thought Ricardo looked very good and he'd gone to Renault and made that his own team pretty quickly. And so far, Norris, he came out pre-season and said, you know, this is my team and, you know, made quite confident statements about how he viewed the team. And so far, he's backing up those with his performances and the Fantastic third place today. Could have been second. Yeah, phenomenal. Absolutely. He's driving the wheels off that McLaren. He is in sensational form. Uh, I think there was something on Twitter a few days ago where Adam posted a reply saying who's been the most overrated driver. And Adam posted something and I said it, it was Norris. I think Adam said, why do you think it was the most? Well, anyway, my, my answer to like the most overrated driver who's changed your mind, I put, I, I put Norris or something. And uh, yeah, he's. Sorry, what? Oh, sorry, what are you saying that. to me? Yeah, uh, no, sorry, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was just mouthing things. Sorry, Kerry. No, but you make a good point, Nigel. Norris has, um, and you do, Adam, Norris has um, had it up against him coming into this season and he's done everything right. And if, if, the, only, if, if the only thing wrong with your um, season today is three inches at Piratella, then fair play to you. And that's what it is. That's all that's wrong with it. Why are you laughing? <laughs> the name of the film. Um... So immature. <laughs> no, he, I for me, he was driver of the day by far. Driver of the weekend by far. Landon. I ain't driver of the weekend, yeah. Was, you know, I can never give anyone a 10 out of 10, but I'll give Norris a 9 out of 10, you know? <laughs> yeah, for the qualifying. Mm. Yeah, Qualifying I mean, mistake. Only half a 10 for four is phenomenal, especially if you look at where Ricardo is. Yes, Ricardo's still 
bedding into the team. But it is Daniel Ricardo after all, seven-time race winner, someone we all rate very highly. And, oh, yeah. and Norris is just driving the wheels off that McLaren and he is doing superbly. We can't ask for much more. And he thoroughly deserves uh, his second podium of his one one career after Austria last year. What you look at is the fact that Lando Norris at the end of the race was 23 seconds, 20, nearly 24 seconds off Verstappen. Ricardo was 51 seconds off Verstappen. So the gap between Ricardo and Norris was bigger than the gap from Norris <laughs> to the lead. And that is after however long was the the second sort of stint of the race, about 28, 29 laps. About halfway, that, yeah. That's, um, that's a second a lap, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the way when they swapped Ricardo and Norris, I think Norris was two seconds quicker after like five laps. So I think he had a 10 second gap after five or six yeah. laps for Ricardo. So, in the wet as well, in the trickier conditions, he's clearly much happier, but also in the dry conditions as well. He's from Britain. There's not much rain in Australia. But um, yeah, I th- and I think that swap, again, we saw it last year at Styria, I think, with. Um, Sainz letting Norris through and that really benefited both drivers and again I think the the way McLaren seemed to handle these does seem and apart from Netflix creating a battle <laughs> between them it seem, seems to be really good and I think there just seems to be a lot of harmony in that team and that was what kind of released Norris to make his progress because it could have could have been you know frustrating three four five laps stuck behind Ricardo saying why isn't he let me through but it wasn't. They just got the switch done and Ricardo didn't argue. And that's best for both of them because you'd imagine there might be a point in the season where Ricardo will benefit from that arrangement as well. So Ricardo still finished sixth and that's still a good mm. performance. So um, it's still good points for the team. I think, what, is it similar? 22, did you say, for Ferrari? Is that, what, 23 for McLaren then? So that's still one more than Ferrari and that's what they needed, to be honest. Um, at this stage in the season, that's what you need. And I think Ricardo is a driver who can grow a bit. Um, has He's obviously got space to grow in the car. He's only been in it two races. And you look at the way he grew in his first season at Renault, like he went from sort of on par to then dominating Hulkenberg and then trouncing Ocon. So I think there's space to come from Ricardo. And Norris is obviously just still learning and learning and learning as a, as a rookie. Rookie, not rookie. Young driver. Um Definitely not a rookie. His third season. That's mad. But um yeah, he's he's definitely he definitely needs if he can carry this form through the next few races, that's fantastic. Because what where Norris sort of got let down last time was he had really good opening to the season and then sort of tailed off for the middle of the season, then came back in the last race, basically. So if Norris can just have these peaks throughout the season, then that's that's one of the drivers you, you fear. Like and that's, that's, you know, I only put think of that with Hamilton, Leclerc and Verstappen. So that's, I find that ridiculous that Norris is up there at that stage at the start of the season, but he is. I'll probably throw Ricardo into that mix as well, but yeah, it's it's quite... Not Russell. I mean, yeah, maybe. More scared of him now. Apparently he's overrated, that's what I heard someone say, so I don't know. Yeah, that's, but, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> but um, the driver that we thought would have that podium spot or I think we all put him on the podium. Me and Freddie put him third was Sergio Perez. And it was a really up and down weekend for him. How do you assess it? 
as our resident rebel number two driver correspondent nigel please you the floor is yours uh hero to zero that's i think how i would sum it up hero in terms of being the first driver to beat verstappen since 2018 in abu dhabi and with genuine pace in qualifying first front row did a phenomenal job the mistake in the final corner cost him pole position but you know we can't ask for more really when when verstappen isn't quite on it you have to be there to capitalize and that's exactly what perez did on saturday but then yeah it just didn't didn't quite happen, and his his wet. Well, he had a, didn't have the best start, did he? Because he dropped behind the club, but then he was starting to come to him uh, in under intermediates. But it was just one of those cases where he made the mistake at a crucial time with the pack bunched up after the the restart, and then he fell to the back, and then he just fell apart after that. He, he made a couple more errors. Uh, I guess it's it's a fantastic sign that the pace is there and that he is ready to capitalise on when Verstappen uh, isn't at his best in qualifying because Perez isn't even the best qualifier. So I think it's enc- it's very encouraging. It's just he didn't get the result from it, unfortunately. Uh, but I'd fully expect him to iron out these these mistakes. Yeah, it was a weird one for him because you kind of it's a weird mistake for Red Bull to make to let him overtake cars under the safety car at the start. And that that so that penalty seemed to sort of capitulate a bit, but he was thrown a lifeline with the red flag and he was fourth of that restart. And realistically, it should have been a Red Bull one-two from there. And mm. you're right, the mistakes I don't know, I don't know whether it got to him that he was fourth and he shouldn't have been fourth. I don't know whether he got that pressure kind of got to him, but Either way, he spun at Villeneuve and ended up 14th as a result of that and couldn't get back to the points and made quite a few little scraps, scrappy errors, trying to get yeah. back onto the to the tail end of some cars um, in on the in the dry section of the race, which is a massive shame for Checo. And it was kind of just yeah, it just it did become a bad performance for him after what was a brilliant performance yesterday and a good comeback in Bahrain, but. Yeah, he just didn't. He didn't execute the race well, frankly. And that's kind of all you got. Oh, I can he did say that, to that safety car mistake as well. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, mm. exactly. And that's, I don't know. That's, yeah, the mistake's obviously on him. But overtaking two cars, that's brain fade. Brain fade from everyone. Like yeah. they showed the they showed the onboard of that, and it looked like Gasly slammed on the anchors to let him back past. <laughs> And which forced Ricardo to land, but Ricardo was all like, "Oh well, he's gone off. I'm going to carry on." And then um, on whichever, or yeah, Ricardo Gasly braked really hard and was like, "Oh no, we've got to let him back through." And Ricardo had nowhere to go because he couldn't overtake Gasly. Um, so that all just felt a bit weird to me. Mm. And that's that's the story of Perez's afternoon. Frankly, just a bit odd. Mm. Should he's a better driver than that? Anchors, let us know on Twitter. At- when you get F1. But yeah, I think if if you look at that's three points or four points that Perez has, that Hamilton's gained off a Perez mistake and last race Bottas was able to nick one point with the fastest lap off Verstappen. So it's those type of things that will add up. Yeah. But again, you know, it's, it's only two races and there'll be a lot more of those ups and downs over the season and especially this season more than others, hopefully anyway, unless it all... You're right. Goes off a cliff from here. Anything else to say on Perez? Um, Just a missed opportunity for me. Go, go on, Freddie. Yeah, that's kind of that's the similar thing for me. Uh, 
it is a missed opportunity. And but he's proven that to himself, at least on Saturday, that he can be up there and he deserves to be up there. And he's proven it on Sundays in the past. And what he's got to do is kind of not let today's poor performance get get on his get in the front of his head because he he's, he's had really positives that he should take from this weekend, and he really should take those positives from the weekend that he has qualified legitimately on the front row and he had the pace for pole. So, yeah, he should take that to Portimao and hopefully he will. He's in, he's a mature driver. He knows what to think and when to think it. So, mm, I think it's if it, it if it gets in front of his head, it will be quite hard to see in Portimao. So hopefully that does not happen to him. A bit like the halo, but less protective and less thin. I don't know. Alpha Tari had a maybe really, disappointing. Yeah, really thick. Yeah. And Alpha Tari had a disappointing weekend. I think we both thought they'd be right up there in the top five. I think I put Sonoda as kind of a dark horse for a top four, top five spot, and someone else said Gasly. But they just didn't seem to be on the they never kind of seem to be, you know, pushing the the top of the pace mm. all weekend, at least well, to me. I think it might they have been on the practice, pace. But they were on never... the pace and Gasly was fifth in qualifying, which got completely forgotten about because of obvious reasons from McLaren. Um, mm. And I think it was more, um, I mean, yeah, Sonoda just couldn't get his weekend started, unfortunately. But no. with Gasly, it was more the strategy, I think, let them down. If he had started on the Inters, then I'd, that could have been a completely different story of the day. Because I think there was the pace in the Alpha Tower, at least in Gasly's hands this weekend. I think it says a yeah. lot about how crazy a race it was that I'd forgotten that he started on. West. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Nigel. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I think. Gasly was one of the best drivers in terms of driver performance. And I think the team just let him down massively with the strategy. I think to get back to eighth was a he did was pretty good as well. Yes, he also got some help with the safety car and red flag. But uh yeah, I think it's a similar story to Bahrain where Alpha Tauri could have got double figure points. And I think it could have been the same here. And I think uh, with Gasly and Sonoda as well. It was probably it's his first big mistake, I'd say, wasn't it, in qualifying when it when he crashed. Of them. Yeah. yeah. But then but then he also crashed after well he, he overtook Hamilton, didn't he, on the restart somehow. I don't think I don't think they showed it, but he overtook him and then yeah. he dropped by by himself, unfortunately. Uh so yeah, I think Snow was probably one of the he had he was one of the worst drivers in Imola, unfortunately, but he, he, was. he is a rookie, of course. And uh We'll, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back, or if he bounces back. I mean, if he if he doesn't bounce back, he can always um, go and make some songs with Traffic Paradise. We'll go to DTM. <laughs> they were showing um, an interview with with, um, with Max Verstappen as he was leaving the track, and Alex Albon was walking behind with a little suitcase, and it was really sad. Or was it? I'm sure it was. <laughs> it was. Nigel will have now have that on repeat. Yeah, Nigel's, it. Nigel's sitting there with Alex Alden's heart in his hand, ready to eat it, just like ha 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 ha. Gives the, give the voodoo doll. Got gives the voodoo doll and the, a few more stabs. Well, it's quite hard to qualify for Staffan when you've got a pin in your right arm. Oh, um, that's a Robert Kibitza. That's got quite dark. Lance trying to go out, though. He, has a, he, has nice. a, he does have a metal look in his arm. It's fact. 
Missed opportunity finish. for Albert Tauri. There we go. Yeah, yes, Lance Stroll it is. You're finished. right. Lance Stroll finished seventh, but then got demoted to eighth for passing off uh, Pierre Gasly off the track. And yeah, it was a. Uh, I don't know. What? Um, kind of. We saw. Well, we I was saw listening to the radio, so I didn't hit see anything. Yes, we did see it, Nigel. Um, oh. It was. He was. Yes, you did. <laughs> I didn't because they did. They, well, they, kind <laughs> of. They just showed like a car kind of like off track a bit, and it was like whoa. And then it's like, oh well, okay. Strolls ahead now. It wasn't really. It wasn't oh, shown explicitly. Um, but yeah, it was one of those moments that you completely miss and you kind of go, did I blink and stroll past Gasly? Because everyone was passing Gasly at that particular point in time. <laughs> so it was kind of acceptable, which is kind of, which is why it was, I think, which is why the stewards didn't pick up on it at the time, because he should have served that five second, 10 second, whoever it was in the race. That should have been in, in race penalty, but I'm not going to write about the stewards again. Yeah, it's weird because in Bahrain, didn't they, they swapped to have the Stafford and Hounds. Why couldn't they just swap it there with Stroll and... Gasly, did he not look at the midfield or something? No, there's only four stewards. Maybe not. To be fair, they took like 20 odd laps to figure out that Sebastian Vettel hadn't had wheels on his car like <laughs> yeah. five minutes before the start, which just seemed really bizarre. <laughs> it can't. And that was obvious. Unless, they showed it on the formation app. They showed his car there not having wheels on. Unless they were like putting the wheels on like as it ticked over to four minutes 59. Like, I don't know. But otherwise, you kind of think that's pretty pretty straightforward decision to make so yeah Dire weekend for Aston Martin though I mean Stroll I think mm. actually did fantastic a fantastic job to actually get a car anywhere near the points and to be a second off Ricardo pretty... at the end yeah. that's really good um, and the fact that the fact that um, his car was on fire at the start of the race and that's obviously mm. what forced Vettel to start from the pit lane meaning they had to take a few gambles and putting him on slicks at awkward times and stuff like that meant that you know, one side of the garage has capitulated, obviously, hasn't, and has been woeful, hasn't shown a flash of pace since um, since it started, frankly, yeah, mm. from Vettel and Aston Martin. Um, and yeah, it's been a really sh- shoddy weekend. There we go. Um, <laughs> Shocking. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys, what you guys want to say about sort of, Aston Martin pushing for rule changes midway through the season because oh, because they they want to cause a stir. What the hell is this? Get uh, back in your box. Yeah, I don't think anything needs to be said there, really. But I think Sebastian Vettel, he could have if the rumours were to be believed, he could have been partnering Lewis Hamilton this season. But clearly that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, rumours to be believed. Yeah, Though, I mean, you know, wow, those rumours were started from the bottom. They weren't even. It was, yeah. it was a thing going round. It was, will it be Bottas? Will it be Vettel? Or will it be someone else that I can't think of? I'm not I'm not saying there was any truth in them, but it was on certain online forums, rhyming with glitter. Then it was going round. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. Hitler? I think Lance Stroll actually had a decent race. I was thinking not many drivers actually had good races when I was looking at my winners of the weekend. It's quite... Oh yeah, for the race. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of it is, it's really that. hard. There's because the people who, Ricardo like, downwards. It's all like yeah, there were well, some there was massive. That. There were some massive losses, which is really what makes it look like Lance Stroll's race was probably better than it was. But it was good. But it probably was just good. It was good so relatively. Were, yeah, relatively. That's the thing. Some people were just not good at all. Mm. Now, I think Stroll was 
expected, I'd say. And I think it's just a case of Vettel still underperforming by miles. And weirdly, his weekend in Imola was probably better than his weekend in Bahrain, which kind of says how bad... You too. Because his his Imola weekend was still pretty poor. So, Mm, you know, it's just a question of when slash if will Vettel get get going really and you know we've we've done a big podcast on this which you can look back at from a couple of weeks ago of our good friend Tayib and yeah we basically well I, I, I don't want to repeat myself but yeah we, we, you can see it there <laughs> yeah I think I think it's interesting looking at kind of Strolls and Gasly's weekends and Gasly's was quite, for one reason or another, it was noticeable, apart from the qualifying getting overshadowed. But then there was the gamble at the start, and then he was, you know, went off a few times and then came back to finish. If you look at pure driver performance, I think Gasly's in like the top five, I'd say. Oh, go on. I I was just finishing that off by saying contrasted with Stroll, which was quite quiet, and then he just somehow finishes seventh and then gets demoted but I, I think with Alpha Terry it's such a weird strategy gamble like I just don't I just don't get it it was all. weird but it, it becomes it, I, I kind of yes. I do get it because um, at the start of the race it probably would have like it was worthy to be on the wet tyres on the the first section of the track which is where some really tricky parts of the track are and that was full wet conditions it's just the back of the track was into conditions um so like, if you can survive the Inter for a bit, which is what they were benefited by, a six-lap safety car um, helped that out to the Inter runners. But the wet tyres at that point were all right. But if you go so far and put on Inters, then put on, then it just becomes, you lose even more and you lose even more. And it just, it felt like they were just begging, begging the, the dry line to be quicker. And they just, it, that's the thing. Some, some days that works brilliantly and some days it doesn't and today it didn't what I would say to that is the teams always try to start on inters don't they because because they know that the intermediate time works pretty well in, in the wet and it's the time to have when the track is getting dry they, 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 unless they're forced to they, they don't like to use the wet so I, I thought it was weird like Adam uh, that some some of the teams decided to start their drivers on wet tyres because I don't especially with half of the track being bone dry, the wet tyre was just never going to work. So I, at the time, I thought that was yeah. a bit strange too. It doesn't think, make sense to go from wets to dries, full wets to dries. Mm. I mean, the only race I can one. remember, exactly, that's the only race I can remember that working is Monaco 2016 um, with Hamilton. Um, but that was because that worked strategically to get track position and was a really cool strategy move at the time. But with this, it's just... it. It was a gamble that you should try from 20th, not 5th. And they had a car in 20th and they didn't try it on him. I guess, which was weird. I guess the, upside, the upside is that you, I don't know, if it does go well, then you've got a chance of potentially taking the lead if all of the drivers right. ahead of you are on, are on the wrong tyre. So, you know, I guess I guess that would, would go into a wider debate of where AlphaTauri see themselves. Do they seem, you know, do they see themselves as trying to get a solid top five spot to give them a good haul of points or trying to go all out for a win. And I think Sonoda really kind of 
if if he'd been around the top ten or top twelve or whatever, it that would have massively benefited them in having that other option that's still kind of near the front or in the top half to be able to mix and match. Um, but and they'll probably will be at they'll be at that point quite soon in the season having both cars up there. And it mm. is a rare weekend work for Yuki Sonoda where he was where he did crash in qualifying and he did have well, fifty percent um, of his weekend so far. What? 50% of the F1 weekend so far, he crashes in qualifying. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. That's attack. Let's just see where he goes then. Mm. Maybe he'll crash every week. That's definitely not going to happen. No. And to round I'm out. Sure to round out, we have Alpine, Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo, Haas and Nicholas Latifi. So what you can each pick one of those to talk about. In fact, I'll take Latifi, Latifi first, actually. Whose fault was it, do you think? Oh. That was Latifi's fault. Yeah, I thought it was Latifi's fault. Agreed. But he, yeah. I thought it was a shame that he didn't out-qualify Russell because he was having a good weekend. And it's kind yeah, of, he was having a fantastic it, weekend. It was a shame that him, he spun when he did, otherwise he would have been able to probably keep going and probably would have taken the points that Russell lost in that Bottas incident because Latifi had the pace of Russell on the race pace definitely so that was the sad thing for me yeah it's not normally been he's looked so solid in practice if he has been ahead in practice it's you know just kind of down to their run plans or whatever there's but you know in this it did genuinely feel like there was a lot of weight to put on his his strong practice runs and then Russell just pipped him at the end of Q2 and then obviously, yeah, in the race, then it just didn't come together for him and he was out on the first lap, which is a big shame for him because I thought the TV had it in him to have a good weekend. But he needs to take it in a similar way to needs to go out of this in a similar way to what I said about Perez earlier. He needs to think yeah. about how good his start of the weekend was with qualifying and practice performance, not focus on um desperation on one little part of the track on the first lap of the race because that's all it was to be honest for Latifi yeah uh, it, was, it was the most impressed I'd been by Latifi since since he's done the sport <laughs> last year I'd say I find but, that a really I find that a funny phrase I don't probably so, most impressed. <laughs> that's really mean <laughs> I, I think it's a compliment I, I don't know I, I, yeah no to be fair I, I, I can see where you're going no, from me from me it's mean Oh okay. Oh, okay. you're right. It was impressive. That's the sad thing, is that yeah, yeah. Like, he was this... generally faster than Russell until, mm. and he was doing fantastically. And I really hope he can take this form on because, like, if he's really you know getting to grips now with this, with this performance, and work well with Formula One and being at such a peak level of performance, then um, that you know that that's confident for the future of Williams, frankly. Maybe, maybe. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still think it was a one-off. I think he'll go back <laughs> to how he was next time. But he's the most impressed I've been with. At a driver's track. Yeah. yeah. If, have you ever noticed how the red on the Canadian flag is different to the one on the French flag? <laughs> yes. Um, let's move on to Alpine. Um, I was... I have no a French idea. driver. Yes, and they're a French team. Um I've no idea what to make of Alpine's weekend. I think the best bit was when Alonso spun in front of the Bottas Russell crash because it was really well filmed. <laughs> and that's it. It was, poor, it was just like, oh, look, there's a crash. Oh, 
oh hey hey Alonso and then that was it Elkon got a point but cool they got, they got a double point score oh is, has Alonso been promoted to the points because of Raikkonen's Ry- yeah and Ocon's in ninth. oh good on them yeah. Ocon deserves one well, yeah, to, I think it's so, worrying yeah. that the pace isn't isn't there. I mean, it's good it's good for Ocon that he beat Alonso. It's good confidence boost, and Alonso uh, said it was his fault. It was he was to blame with Corfan for being half a second away. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty tough season for Alpine. I, I I don't see much light at the end of the tunnel for this year, at least for them. Mm, I, yeah, I I. I agree. It's kind of difficult to assess. It's whether you think having such a bad weekend and scoring three points out of it is good or for them a really good weekend being scoring three points is, you know, such an indictment on where the team's at. So, yeah. Good I mean, on yeah, them. 17, good 17, on cars, 17 cars still finished the race. Um, it's not like it was... I Two mean, of them it was were Haas. And one of them was Vettel, who didn't actually finish. Yeah, that's true. But it's like there's still opportunity. Like you'd still have more chaos up ahead in this kind of race. You'd still not expect it only to be um, the two Williams and Bottas to be out. Like of cars that should be ahead of the Alpines, it's only Bottas who's out. And um, so a, a double points finish, as it is now because of the penalties, is is kind of just. Yeah, it's what it like in terms of where they should be. And you're right, they, they should be higher and they they are where they are, which is ninth and tenth, which is kind of like fifth or sixth best team. And that's like they've had flashes of pace, and that's been about it. And Ocon has had a very good weekend, and I've been I think he actually did do very mm. well in qualifying specifically to get into Q three actually. Um yeah. and hopefully you know, hopefully they can. They've got a car that they're willing to build on because they're able. They did have a good car last year, and whatever they need to build on, who knows? I know, I know this car's at the end of its cycle because it's because of the way 2019, 2020, 2021 chassis have been carried over. But like, yeah, they can cling to that, but it's not much. Well, it's quite hard to make a flashing transition from any team to any team, in particular Alpine to Alfa Alfa Romeo, but. We can introduce it as the pessimism stakes. And it feels like this is kind of the inverse to Alpine in that they maybe came into this hoping for a bit better weekends and they're finishing at 13th and 14th. So is it good that they're disappointed or they might be disappointed finish 13th or 14th? Or I think we should explain a bit how they got to 13th and 14th yeah. because um, they qualified badly. They shouldn't have both been out in Q1, mm. but they were. And that was bad. But through the race, they plucked away at it, and at the at the um, restart, they were both in the points. Um, they were, I think, I want to say eighth and tenth, or maybe maybe better than that. And that was very good for them. They were very that was really good, and it was purely eighth um, and ninth of one lap. There we go, eighth and ninth of one lap. And it was purely safety concerns, so they had to bring in Giovinazzi to pit him for um, to clean his brakes, basically. Um, Raikkonen's obviously been given a hefty penalty, but he still finished on the road in the points. So it seems to be, at least with Giovinazzi, external factors that have like a technical thing that's impacted that. 
Um, what was Raikkonen's penalty for? It was for something from the start of the race, some technical thing at the start of the race, was it? Failing to enter the pit lane for the restart of the race. Stupid penalty. is absolutely... This this should be fuming at that. I I don't believe I was in the team. That is a shocking penalty to get. What is it? I don't understand. So is that when he unlapped himself, but he just went onto the track instead of back into the pit lane? Right. um, Which is kind of mad, because, like, I think, yeah, if he was in eight, then he was the first of those being... Um, of those unlapping, so he wouldn't have been mm. going straight back. He might not have known, but I can't. It is he's in the right position, isn't he? he? He was in the right position for the restart, so it all, a... it all righted itself, and he'd spun yeah. at one point. But um, apart from that, like yeah, that's that spin is the worst bit of Alfa Romeo's day, and a miscommunication to Kimi Räikkönen at that point clearly um, is it. So I kind of think. They, 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 I bet they're really, really kicking themselves. Like you say, Nigel, I bet they're really upset because this was a double points finish on merit for them, really, for the most part, I'd say. I'd say. Yeah, I, mean, I thought Raikkonen drove a great race to hold off the two Alpines uh, of Ocon uh, and Alonso for as long, as long as he did. I think he, he had to be him for about 15, 16 laps at the end. And considering the yeah. pace difference... I think Raikkonen used all, all of his experience to get into that position in the wet. I think he, his race went completely under the radar, as usual, with Kimi Raikkonen. I don't think anyone notices some of his good performances. I think this is one of those... No one notices when he won the championship. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was out for Romeo. I'll be absolutely livid with with that penalty. And, and they, they, they thoroughly deserved some points today. Mm. I think... Yeah, it's one of those. Do is it a sign of progress that they will feel annoyed that they didn't get double points on merit, or will they be more annoyed that they didn't get it in the first place? I don't know, but it just seems to be positive signs from that team moving forward. And yeah, at their home race as well. One of their home races. Yeah, we just got to hope. I mean, they showed very good pace in Bahrain as well, and a few things meant they didn't get points there just just out of. Um, Sheer opportunism from others, so I think it's there's there's good chances for more points to come for Alfa Romeo, to be honest. And it's a shame that they haven't got their first points of the year, but um, at least they deserve them. <laughs> it's a hard thing to hard way of looking at it for them, and it's it's easier said from our perspective. Mm. I just can't believe that penalty. And there uh, ends. Anyway. The latest episode of the Pessimism Stakes. And finally, Haas qualified last, finished last, finished behind a drive that didn't even finish. Anything to say on them? Mixed of qualifying. They were two laps down by lap 25, um, which is far. Um, Mick Schumacher spun onto the safety car. Nikita Mazepin's phone at the end. Um most part they kept it on track um, but occasionally didn't and got to the finish line that is all you can say you can dissect their pace as much as you like because Nikita Mazepin was very slow in relation to Mick Schumacher Um, the gaps were consistently 30 seconds which is not good not good not good at all and we've said about Ricardo as well it's not good that he was a second lap slower as well and those are two bad performances. But, I, yeah, the Haas is the Haas, isn't it? It's a 
certainly is. It's a hard, it's a hard car to drive um, at the at the best of times, and I don't really know what conclusions we can draw from that. Um, apart, from, apart from the fact that they're they're both rookies and they both dropped it once again in a race, so got to the end. Hooray! Two cars at the one. flag. Yeah, I, I was speaking just for the sake of speaking, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I've got um, nothing to add on that, Adam. Yeah, I think speaking for the sake of speaking is all you can do when you're talking about Haas. But I think that concludes our roundup. The only two things I'd like to point out are that Perez and Raikkonen both have underappreciated accents on their names because I think they should be... Perez and Raikkonen should both have accented three-driver um, acronyms, but they don't, which I think is... I'm too tired to think about this, Adam. <laughs> um, no, Mazepin took a pre- precautionary gearbox change after QFP1. I've got that noted down. Don't have anything else. Oh, that's all right, because they have um, practice gearboxes anyway. Yeah. Oh, James Vowles was... I'm just going to... I've started making notes of the weekend on my phone. James Vowles was nice to Lewis, picked him back up because he looked properly down after his in the red flag period. And then there was a nice conversation oh, okay. between um, Lewis and James Vowles and that seemed to really invigorate Hamilton. Which It was nice really... It was a really... Like, yeah, he, he clearly... He picked himself up. He went away, did his thing, um, sat down, listened to his music, went back to his trailer, just kept got himself back in the zone in a really brilliant way to Lewis. I think that's something that's incredibly difficult for any sports person to do. And finally, two stats. Alonso is outqualified by his teammate for the first time in 27 Grand Prix. And Vettel has now not reached Q3 in the last 15 races. So is that 27 Grand Prix that Alonso's competed in or just 27 Grand Prix? I assume that he's competed in. Because that, that makes it even more. So, fair play. Yeah. If he adds like door. the 45 or so in 2019 and 20, that's now 70 plus Grand Prix. So fair play to Fernando Alonso. Yeah, that'll probably drop him midway through 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he probably didn't get out qualified for a race that he wasn't even racing in. Although I guess he did because he didn't qualify DNQ. Anyway, we are rambling <laughs> and that signals we the are. end of the Imola review. Overall, absolutely quality race. A classic, really I think. It. I think, like we said last week with Bahrain, it was the best season opener. I think we've had the best two um, first two races of the season for a long time, which is two of the best qualifying sessions in a row that I can remember as mm. well. I think the qualifying is um, was absolutely unbelievable this weekend. I absolutely adored that session. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, I'm absolutely shattered now. <laughs> Same. It is stressful and I've got a very stressful week coming up. But in that week, we will be bringing you another podcast. We'll also have our, me and Freddie's final to the quiz that happened last week and we didn't finish it and we meant to do it this week, but then there was actually a good race at Imola. Don't check that out. It was very, well, it was kind of funny. I found it quite funny. And chaotic. There's some good F1 chat as well before that. And during the quiz, actually. Some quite nerdy yeah, there was. Chat. Um and really Paul Smelton up next, which I'm excited about because that's, again, another different track to what we've had so far, and we'll discuss that more. I had a good race week. for MotoGP today in Portimao. Yeah, um, check out last lap for more coverage on that. Adam Proud, big up.
and Taib. They did a fantastic job this weekend. Mm. Um, but yes, thank you, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for watching or listening or just for contributing in some way to F1. Bye.